Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some stories are profound, challenging, and even emotional, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. All of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team, and we are so glad you're here. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. Today, we'll hear from one of our very own team members, Sarah Beth. Sarah Beth walked through tragedy a couple of years ago when she lost her husband to a fatal heart condition, and she was suddenly faced with navigating life and all of its daily decisions as a young widow and a mom of two small children. If you are like me and you have ever wondered how he would possibly survive such a devastating loss, I think you'll be encouraged as you hear Sarah Beth share how present and loving God is even in the darkest moments and by how much joy and peace she now has in her life. If you do not have a box of tissues handy, I highly suggest finding one before you begin. Here she is. Really have been praying about this, and so um, I'm so excited. I don't have anything really typed up other than just some notes to make sure I hit and kind of stay on track. So um, we're just going to get started. Um, I grew up in Dothan, Alabama, peanut capital of the world. I was one of two um, girls. My sister is Emily, and um, my mom and daddy um, raised us in a godly home. I have lots of sweet memories of my daddy always building a fire, and he taught me um, all about the love of football. So when I think back of when I was a little girl, I think about me and my daddy. My mama is a great cook, and she always cooked really fun food, and we would hang out and watch football, and he um, pulls for the other team. He pulls for Alabama, and I'm <laughs> obviously Auburn, and so it just has always been really, really fun. Um, when I was in the third grade, around the third grade, um, I remember just kind of feeling this overwhelming sense of fear of dying and asking my mom, like, what does forever really mean? Like, where do you go? What happens when you die? Where is heaven? Um, How do I know that I know that I know that if something were to happen to me, um, how do I, how does all that work, mom? And so I remember sitting on our orange velvet couch and my mama telling me, well, you know, um, how you know is that you invite Jesus into your heart. And so my mom that day gave me the greatest gift that any mom could give their child, which was the gift of salvation. And I just remember her very simply saying, as any mamas in this room do with their children, just a very simple explanation on how to overcome that fear of dying is to put my faith in Jesus. And um, I did, and I even remember um, walking down the aisle in my yellow sundress in the Baptist church, um, and I remember being baptized, and that little tiny decision as just a childlike faith um, started that day when my mom on the couch, I just, I, I can even picture it, um, becoming a Christian. And I had a great, um, childhood. I went to private school first through fifth grade. And then we decided, I decided, I don't really know how, but I was like, I, I just want to go to public school. So I did that. And 
lots of sweet friends, great high school memories. Um, the whole time, though, and even when I was a little girl, um, I dreamed of the day. Um, when you would ask me, what do you want to be? I would say, I want to be a wife and a mama. And when I was a little girl, I would pretend and I'd play with these dolls. And um, every time I would pretend, I would be a different one of my mom's best friends. So today, <laughs> on that day, I would have like two boys and a girl. And then the next time I would play with my baby dolls and be pushing them, this is just my one little baby. And I literally dreamed of being a wife and a mom. And um, graduated high school and went to Auburn where... Um, I had this just perfect plan. I had the sweetest college roommates, one of which is here. Um, just the most precious group of girls. I pledged a sorority. Um, I became involved in SGA, the athletic department. I was just rocking and rolling this Auburn thing. And I had been um, dating a guy for three and a half years. And um, he said that he needed some time to focus on the MCAT. And so I had no other reason to believe that that was truly true. So we broke up, and um, really the truth was that he wanted to focus on a girl in his class who actually was up for Miss Homecoming. Um, well, you know, at any major university, if you're up for top five Miss Homecoming, her picture is literally everywhere. <laughs> so I would go to class, and there would be a button, like, with her picture on it. Um, so it was a pretty tough time, and that sweet mom that I just told y'all about that um, led me to the Lord, um, I'm going to tell my age, this was really before, obviously, text, and really, email had not really been um, around that long, and so she hand-wrote Bible verses for me. And now they're yellowed, and I don't even know if she knew that I kept them, but I did. And um, some of the things would say, um, some, one of them, you know, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for calamity to give you a future and a hope. And so it was for the first time in my life um, in college through that breakup and heartbreak where I, on my own, had to choose my faith. And I had to learn what it truly meant like what it truly meant to trust him and um, to just pour over God's word and how his word just truly these Bible verses on this notebook paper just spoke hope and life and that he was going to take care of me and he did have a future and a plan for me even though my plan of what I saw it being changed in that moment. Um, I started praying then after kind of that heartbreak that, you know, I just didn't really want to, like, give my heart away again and just really took some time to really pray about um, my future husband and the next person that I really cared for and invested time in, I wanted it to be my husband. And um, those precious group of girls that I told you about that I adored, we all went to the football game together, and um, this was fall of 1999, and we happened to sit down next to, or the guys actually came and sat down, down next to us in Jordan-Hare Stadium, 89,000 people. Um, my mom and dad had been um, at the tailgate that day, and my mom said the whole time she's kind of had this feeling to keep praying. So after the game, the, the day that I met Lee, she was like, what in the world's been going on during the game? And I was like, I've met this guy. And um, 
that began the love affair with all things orange and blue and um, my precious husband. Um, we got married um, in 01, and our first decision as a married couple would be, where are we going to go to church? Um, all of our friends had left and graduated, and we stayed in Auburn. So everything that we had kind of known about Auburn changed. And um, we joined, we were invited by a cute couple downtown to to visit First Baptist Opelika, and that's where um, we would join. And just we started a nearly newlywed class and just kind of poured into um, that class and they were going through the same things we were and started um, friendships that still um, we have today. Lee was a planner. He, we had a plan, um, long-term, short-term, everything was kind of planned out. And so he said, oh, I think we should have kids about when we've been married about five years. <laughs> so true to that five-year plan, Sadie came a week after that. <laughs> um, it did take me about a year of praying to get pregnant. Um, so I did have to wait longer because like I told you, when I grew up a little girl, all I ever wanted to be was a wife and mom. So Sadie was born in 06. And then right after that, Miller was born. They were 24 months apart. I had two in diapers, but I was living the dream. Um, Miller was kind of a sickly baby, so I always wanted lots and lots of babies. I wanted a table full, but God kind of just threw um, that and just some other things. I just really, we really didn't have a piece about more children. Just Sadie and Miller were it, and for a little while I kind of grieved not having more, but felt just a piece that we should stop it too. And um, one of the funny things is, I don't know. When Lee would work, he was a pharmacist, so he kind of would work long hours. And when he got home, they would already be bathed in pajamas, and it was literally like a circus. So he would get home, and we would just, I mean, Daddy's home. That Daddy's home, and my kids would run and meet him, and it was always just one of the highlights of my day was when Daddy got home. And um, he was a precious dad. He taught them the Lord's Prayer far younger than I thought that he should be teaching them this. Um, they were around age three, and he would start um, telling them, you know, like, we're going to learn the Lord's Prayer. And I was like, they're way too young for this, but whatever. And um, kind of along with the same plan, they got it. And um, it was just sweet for them. Um, it's a sweet memory um, that I have of him teaching them that. We're going to fast forward to... Um, March of 2014, um, we were on a spring, spring break trip. Sadie and Miller were um, around five and seven at the time. Everything's great. Um, we're at the beach. Um, we woke up one of the first nights there, and Lee just kind of shot up out of bed and was just kind of in a cold sweat and was just like, I really do not feel well. Um, what we kind of thought was maybe just like a really bad stomach bug. Um, really, when we got back from to Auburn, um, him being a pharmacist, there was a little community hospital right down, and he just kind of walked down to the ER, and I got a call, and he just said, hey, they're transporting me by ambulance to East Alabama in Auburn. Just meet me there. And he was in AFib. Um, his heart had 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 a, an arrhythmia and he had gone into AFib and so we were there and they did a whole lot of testing in Auburn and they really couldn't figure out kind of couldn't get to the bottom of it so by ambulance um, we came up here to UAB and had a 10-day hospital stay 
and they diagnosed him with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a um, electrical condition of the heart, which you hear a lot of the number one symptom is sudden death. So the fact that he threw a non-fatal arrhythmia was a miracle, and they told us that, and that he was truly, it was a miracle that he was alive, and that um, this would be something that, you, you, you know, he would live with for the rest of his life. And um, we knew from what the doctors had told us how very, very serious this condition was. But to go on with life and... Um, that they wanted to have our children genetically tested, and that was a gift um, in that he did not die in March of 2014. And so we did have our children genetic, genetically tested, and um, we lived that last year um, um, just literally soaking up life. He would often say, when you don't know how much time you have, you just live. And I let go of everything. So I let go of bedtime schedules. I mean, we had moved into a new, our new house that he had planned for about 10 years. We had just moved in. And um, there would be nights he'd be like, hey, y'all want to go swimming? And I was like, um, it's time for him to go to bed. And we would all go night swimming. We literally just kind of let go and looked nothing like the normal family. Um, we just sucked the life out of every single day because... Um, Life looked completely different knowing how very serious his condition was and that he really should have died but didn't. Um, that Sunday school class that I was telling you about that we poured our life into in 01, those are still our friends up until this point and had rallied around us. Had We'd had all of our babies together, one of which we had on the same exact day. They just were our family. They were our family in Auburn. And... Um, one weekend, this is the weekend before he passed away, the um, Sunday night um, before he died on Wednesday, he went bowling with all of these guys and came home and he said, hey, do you want to sit outside? And I think at that point I was kind of like, well, I'm ready to go to bed, but yeah, we'll sit outside. And um, in that conversation, it just came up where he said, hey, I just want to let you know that if anything were to happen to me, I just want to say like how incredible it is that God has given me the opportunity to have everything I've ever dreamed of, um, both spiritual blessing and, um, you know, he, he, went to, he wanted to go to pharmacy school. He did. Um, he wanted to live in a house in the woods. We got it. Um, he did everything. He toured Europe. We went on trips. Um, he had children. It was just... He just said, I, I literally have had everything I've ever wanted. And how incredible is that at my age of 37? I mean, I've gotten to do so much. And um, if something were to happen to me, I just want you to know how very blessed I am and happy I am. And I really want you to tell people that if something were to happen. And I think that I laughed and said, you'll probably outlive me. Ha, ha, ha. Like, because it was so much. Essentially, he was telling me goodbye. Um, the following Wednesday, normal day, he got up, ran on the treadmill, went to work. I did what mamas do, and um, he came home. We It was during March, and Auburn basketball, Auburn had won some big game that night. We watched our children ran around, and um, I, we tucked him in, and it was a normal, just normal. And um, he went, we went to bed, and I woke up in the middle of the night with him gasping for air, and I thought he was having just a bad dream. So I was just like, hey, Lee. And there was no response. And um, 
uh, I turned on the lamp and I knew immediately um, how very serious the situation was. And his eyes stayed closed and he was gasping for air and I called 911. And um, the whole time that they worked on him in our bedroom, um, I was in my bathroom. The neighbors, I had run through the woods to get the neighbors. My children, God put somehow muffs on their ears. They did not hear or wake up. And I was teaching at the time community Bible study in Auburn has this after school kids and all of your all of our elementary school kids attended it. And I was teaching um, and we were studying the Lord's Prayer. And so that was just what was on my heart. So I'm in my bathroom and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs, praying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. But I know we need a miracle. I know we need a miracle here, but not my will, but yours be done. And um, loaded in the ambulance. In the ambulance, I called my parents and I called Lee's parents and I just said, hey, we're headed to the hospital and you need to get in your car and come. And I knew at that point, I knew when I turned on the lamp that um, Lee was going to heaven that day. Um, but I fought and I prayed and I begged God. And if our big God could have saved him, but it was, it was his day. And we would read stories, and I would hear of accidents, and I would say stuff to to Lee, and he would say, when it's your day, it's, it's just your day. You have to trust that. And so um, it was Lee's day um, when we were given one year. So March 2014, he was diagnosed, and he died March of 2015. And um, that precious Sunday school class um, – rallied around me and they were there at the hospital before my parents and before Lee's parents could get there um they are it's just like you see in the movies where they walk in and they say hey we did everything we could but we couldn't save him and I had already known um that he was in heaven and um he was going to be given a new body and um you know just go through the motions um, my sweet daddy, I told you I was a daddy's girl, literally had to carry me out of the hospital um, on that night. And um, I had the task of telling my two babies the next morning that their daddy was in heaven. And um, I will tell you that probably the most difficult thing um, in losing Lee was um, watching my children grieve. And knowing that truly there was nothing I could do as a mama to make their pain go away other than to point them to Christ and to pray with them. And that is exactly what I did. Um, the Sunday school class put a blessing box on our front steps for six months every single day. It was like Christmas morning for my children. They would run and be like, what do we get today? <laughs> um the blessings and just the rally of the Auburn community, I can never, ever explain or um, ever say thank you enough for. Um, it was about six weeks after um, Lee died that I had gotten the babies up and dressed them and fed them breakfast and got them to school. And um, it was not a planned day that I thought I would be, I would end up at the grave. But I think something happened when I was driving and all the other dads are driving. And I'm like, so really, their daddy is gone. And I just ended up driving to the grave. And um, on that day, 
I truly gave it all to Christ. And I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed till I could not literally sob anymore. And I just said, okay, God, um, from everything that my parents taught me, from every Bible study, um, from every Bible verse that has been prayed over us, I am clinging and holding on to that, that you have us and that you have our future and our hope. And I have no idea what that looks like, but I'm going to accept whatever it is. And I'm going to trust you like I have never trusted you before. And from even though my circumstances did not change that day, I was a completely changed woman when I left the grave. And I had this hope in me that we were going to make it and that I don't know how we were. And I couldn't take the pain away from my children, but we were going to make it. And um, I don't really know the timeline. I really wish I had written it down, but um, we... I was tucking them, Sadie and Miller, in one night, and um, they were crying for their daddy, and we were praying, and we were talking, and Miller said, hey, Mama, I have a question. I said, okay, buddy, which they had a lot of questions then, and um, the counselors had told me then that they took their cue from their mom. So I kind of wore that. I was like, you know what? I mean, if, I, if there's something I can do for my children and they can take their cue from me, well, then I'm going to be strong and I'm going to point them to Christ. And, and that is what I did. But we're um, on Sadie's bed and um, they're, Sadie was definitely more emotional than Miller. And, I mean, they cried, but, but Sadie really would, would cry and I would hold her and I would send a text to that sweet Sunday school class that I can't say enough about and they would be praying. They would literally be on their knees while I'm with them. And um, I said, hey, Mama, I have a question. And I said, what is it, buddy? And he said, you know, you told me that in the Bible it said that you don't take anything with you when you go to heaven. I was like, yep, that's right. I mean, you mean nothing? That's right, Mom. That's right, Miller. Nothing. Is Daddy naked up there in heaven? <laughs> and it was like in that moment, I knew that we were going to be okay and that they were going to be okay. And I saw little bits and pieces of their sweet self coming back. Um, I would hold them at night. Um, I kind of look back and I see, why did God stop at two children? I just had two arms. Um, one would be under this one and one would be under that one. And um, I would hold them and we would pray and I would pray. And it was as if just the Holy Spirit would just kind of come down and he would just calm us down. And after that time of in the grave at the cemetery when I gave everything to God, um, through just prayer and knowing that God was going to take care of us, I just had this peace that we're going to make it. And I had some really tough decisions to make, but I was just, I just kind of had this peace. And um, at the same time, I didn't know, but there was a man here in Vestavia who had two babies under his arms. And while I was praying, he was praying um, for his situation. Um, that he did not did he that he did not want, um, and sweet Anna Moore, <laughs> who is a precious family friend who grew up with me in Auburn. I mean, grew up with me in Dothan, went to Auburn with, introduced Clay and I at um, an Auburn tailgate, and um, 
I think Clay would probably tell you I was not very kind. I was just kind of like, you know, I'm so okay, and okay, I'll meet this guy. And I met Clay, and um, we went to dinner, and it was about a six-hour dinner where really all we talked about was God and our situations and what God had taught us and where we were. And uh, we just had an immediate connection. Um, The hardest thing that I knew that um, when I started dating um, Clay and knowing that we were moving forward would be saying goodbye to those precious friends. Um, But in that, it was like God was saying, I'm going to do something new and just trust me. And um, he has really done that. I can say that um, after being here over a year, it, it really feels like home here. And um, it's just been incredible how God has just totally taken care of all the details. And things have just fallen into place in only a way that God can do. And when he does it, he just does it big. Um, I love the verse, um, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And that is truly what he has done in our lives. Um, I'm going to introduce you to my babies. Um, So I don't even know really how this came up. This wasn't really an idea that when I was asked to tell my story that I would ask my children what I should say. But kind of in true Hagler form, we're always around the dinner table. And so it just kind of came up. And (laughs) Maddie actually told this past weekend, y'all know SB's speaking. And... um, so Miller says um, that I should tell y'all to never give up and that when hard things come, he says that y'all just need to keep playing and don't, don't stay in your room. Don't, don't stay in your house. <laughs> don't stay in your room. And um, I'm going to try to, uh, I'm going to um, translate, you know, just you got to keep going. You know, you got to trust the one who's writing your story, the author and perfecter of our faith. And um, just like my story has really dark chapters and wasn't written the way I originally thought it would be, I'm sure every woman in this room could say things have happened differently than they had seen planned. Okay, so Molly. Molly says that you need to be you and everyone else is taken. And that translates as your story is your story. And um, comparison is the thief of all joy. And when we look at other people's stories and we say, well, man, I wish God had written that in mine. Nope, it wouldn't work. Your story is your story. And Sadie, um, which Clay absolutely loved this, um, Sadie said Clay's life first is what I should tell him, which is, um, you know, Rejoice in your sufferings, for sufferings produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope, and hope never fails you. And Maddie, the oldest, says, um, which Clay had this printed and hung in their home, um, situations don't define you, God does. And um, Clay says that I should say, um, you know, our relationship and our life started with God. It continues with God. And it will end with God. Um, in my last homes, in my last three kitchens, which this is my last verse, and this is what I'm going to end with. Um, and this is actually written on um, Lee's headstone. 
But it is um, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And um, this is just gratitude turns what we have into enough. Even when our stories don't go as planned, even when our days don't go as planned, um, even when our children have hard things, diagnoses, diseases, um, gratitude turns what you have into enough, and it's from that verse. Um, you know, I want to leave you saying that I'm saying this to myself as well. So Maddie, the oldest, has cystic fibrosis, and I mentioned in um, my talk that Sadie and Miller were genetically tested. Um, I found out a week after Lee passed away that they both tested positive for the gene for hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And so um, just like these verses that meant something in college, it meant something to me um, when I lost Lee um, and he went to heaven, these verses still mean something to me today. So when um, fear comes or the unknown or the what ifs and the if onlys in life, which we all face, um, you know, we have a choice, and we can say, you know what? Gratitude turns what we have into enough, and I trust the one who's writing my story. Um, I trust it for the past, and I trust it for the future. And um, my prayer is that whatever I've said today, that you can hold on to, to that, and that um, you can be joyful in all things and give thanks in all things and know that... Um, he gets to write the end of our story, which is incredible. So that's it. Oh, yeah. And you're all going home with gratitude turns what you have into enough. And on the back is the storytellers, the Bible verse that is my life verse. I will tell you, too, that it's on Lee's grave, and Clay gave it to me as our first, my first Christmas present. And it hangs in the Hagler home now, and I just, I put my name and the date on there. Just, I had seen this at Supper Club probably about 12 years ago in a precious friend's home, and so she had one for me printed. So if you just pop it in a cheap little TJ Maxx frame or <laughs> run to Home Goods, it can be your constant reminder of um, whatever it is, he's got you. Thank you so, so much for sharing. I know that, that y'all thought it was as amazing as I did. Um, we're going to do a few questions, but I want to say first that I love how Sarah Beth ended, just that we all have our own unique story, and, um, and that God's just always writing that and to open our eyes to that. And if any of you just have a desire to share your story, just one-on-one -on -one with somebody, sometimes you just have this burning desire to share what's happening in your heart that any of the four of us would love to meet with you one-on-one -on -one. and if you we're going to be doing the storytellers thing I hope for a really long time and if you feel so brave that you want to share it publicly we would love to know that too um so all right does anybody have Sarah Beth says she is, she is open and willing if anybody has uh, any questions. Can you tell me where we'll be able to find, I want to send this talk to someone else. How do we do that? Yes. Um, okay. We are recording it. We are going to, 
give us a little bit? We have, oh, that, okay, good question. We have, there's Sorry. a Facebook page, and it will eventually go on the Facebook okay. page. Okay. Um, so if y'all want to like Storytellers on Facebook, I'll, I'll post something on there, and y'all can share it and like Facebook, and then it'll, and it'll say what's going to happen every week, and on the email list. If you'll just sign up for one of those, both of those things, you'll get all our information. Yes. Thank you so much for your vulnerability. Um, last night we had a similar event at Firewood, and I love the quote. I think Amy's here. What was it? We share that quote. The vulnerability is the oh, of community. Yeah. It's from a book called Falling Free, and the author is basically encouraging women to be in community together, and men too, but um, and being honest and open about our stories. And her quote was, "Vulnerability is the glue of community." And that's kind of what we shared. Did I just see it? Any questions? You can be brave. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. I think you were talking about the blessing box, I think, because you called it. Was that prayers or verses? It's everything. Anything. Anything. Yes. And, yeah, it was in a big just plastic tub, and it said blessings on the top. Lindley's sister actually made it, and it was for anyone in the Auburn community that wanted to drop anything off to us. They didn't have to set up a time with me. I think that's what was um, hard kind of in the grief process. Honestly, sometimes my days literally felt like a year. Like um, I mentioned the daddy's home. Um, there was no daddy's home. Like th that was one of the things that I missed the most. Like my days just went on and kind of on and on. And it was hard for me to kind of even plan on like, oh, I'll be home at four. Like I didn't know. So um, weather permitting, they didn't have to schedule a time with me. And it was just convenient for them to just put whatever they wanted to in there. I mean, from flowers to food to bubbles to kites. I mean, literally um, my children got just... They were just blessed every single day. And it was the little tiny, it was just little tiny things. But it was just a box that sat on my front porch. And to be perfectly honest with you, I ended it after six months. I just said, you know, well, we can't get a blessing every day. Like, I'm never going to get my children back. They're going to be so spoiled rotten. Like, I, so I just decided in like, we had more food than, I mean, you know, it just it, at some point um, early on in the grief process, I made the difficult, I had to tell my mom and dad to go home. And I just had to say, you know what, we have to figure out what life now looks like for the three of us. And the longer I keep all this in, and that's the easy thing to do, the harder it's going to be for me to learn what life looks like as a single mom with two children. And we just needed to kind of get established into the routine. So um, that was one of I mean, I've told people, and that blessing box idea has now spread. Um, and honestly, there were there were numerous, a, a lot of it was anonymous. And then, I mean, you know, but with the children, like they would have friends that would just draw a picture. And it was just so fun for them to see and know that um, their little friends were supporting them as well. Okay, I know everybody grieves differently, but do you have any suggestions for, like, how we can minister to people who've experienced loss, like, even things not to do, but, like, like I said, everyone grieves differently, but mm -hmm. what are some things that you would suggest that we can do to minister to, like... I truly think prayer is the number one thing. 
I think with everyone being so different, um, there were days I wanted everybody in my house and I wanted to sit around and I wanted to talk like we're doing right now. And there were days I needed to just literally sob in my floor and just give it to Jesus and talk to him that day. Um, I think it, it, it is so volatile and like you go kind of just like this. Um, everybody is so different. And I mean, for me, it would be prayer, and then I think it's okay to ask that person and just say, how can we love on you? How can we minister to you? What What are your needs? And she's probably going to say, I don't know, <laughs> because you just have hard times because you're so by yourself, and you're making all these huge decisions that what are we going to have for dinner or whatever um, was hard, but um think prayer, 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 prayer. Um, and then the blessing box made it to where I almost felt as though in the grieving process when people would come over, I would comfort them because they were just, they didn't know what to say to us. They didn't know how to be. I mean, like the pizza guy would just stand there and I would literally like hug on him. <laughs> I mean, literally like shaking, like, I mean, like frozen in his tracks. Like, and so, um, I think it was so good to have that box where there wasn't, there didn't have to be. Yeah. And I, I mean, um, yeah. So ask her or filter for, through her very closest friends what is the need. Um, I think at times it felt nice that um, I didn't have to have that conversation and then they didn't know when to leave and she must be lonely and we need to stay and just kind of that so I hope that helps this is more of a comment than a question but I met your mom at the front door mm -hmm. she's here and I stared at her and I was like are you twins their best mom <laughs> yeah and Clay's mom is here too yeah. and Clay's sister but I love the role that your mom played and it just reminds me that how we're preparing our children mm -hmm. for not if it happens, not no. if mm -hmm. bad things happen, but but when they happen. And so we're preparing them as they go along when they hit those bumps in the mm -hmm. road. And I love that you have those verses on paper. I feel like we lose some of that sometimes with texting and with mm -hmm. technology, but it's just as a reminder to me to write write things to my children. Mm -hmm. You know, and I love that. Mm -hmm. And then I have a friend who went through a similar situation, and she said, she read this somewhere, it's not her own original thought, but she read, you know, in Scripture when it says, you know, write write it on your heart. Mm -hmm. And um, she said that somebody wrote, the reason you write it on your heart is so that when it breaks, the verses fall in mm -hmm. when your heart breaks. So that's, you know. So mm -hmm. anyway, I just love that you have those verses that when it came time, you were prepared, mm -hmm. and your mama prepared you. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I will say that um, kind of along those same lines is I think sometimes we make little decisions like are my kids going to do Bible club or are we going to attend this event or what music we listen to in the car. But we are putting his word and what we feed them comes out. And at the time, um, you know, just to even just that little, I had no idea that when I committed to teach about the Lord's Prayer, I would literally, like, it would be written in there for that night. So um, I think it, like you are saying, such a good reminder that just those little tiny things you just don't ever know. And um, we sing the songs that we sang and do the Bible, do the motions to the Bible verses that we sang at the funeral still with um, Sadie and Miller. And, I mean, they kind of talk about things just 
especially with their sisters now, just kind of like, yeah, we sang this at Daddy's funeral. But it is so true, and they they know, you know. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're so right. You just you don't ever know the little tiny things that you're planting, um, how God will use them and grow them. Thank you for joining us today for Sarah Beth's story. And be sure to visit our website at storytellerslive.org where you can find show notes, learn more about storytellers, and download your free PDF scripture card. Each week at our local storytellers gathering, we pass out a custom designed card with a quote or scripture shared by the speaker just to serve as a reminder of the story. And while we'd love to put the physical copy into your hands, we're excited to share the digital design with you wherever you are. We hope you'll join us again. Thanks for listening.